You're listening to the Cheer Biz Podcast, where we dive into the business of running and owning your gym. Join us as we speak to industry experts, business gurus, and discuss how we can take your passion and turn it into profit. Let's get to it. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Cheer Biz Podcast. And today we have the opportunity to have our most listened to guest, Jeff Benson. Yes, you have the highest listens episode to date, and maybe this one will beat it, but so far everyone loves listening to you. So we have Jeff Benson back on the podcast. And shameless plug, one of the reasons we had him back, we're super excited to work with Jeff in all the ways we can, but he is actually coming out to our conference in Mm. San Diego the first weekend of January, where he's going to be our keynote speaker. He's going to be doing some other presentations, and I'm sure he's going to be blowing minds as he normally does. So make sure if you want to see Jeff in person and hear that you want to meet him, uh, you can hang out with the two relatively hairless dudes uh, on the top of their head. Uh, the baldish guys will both be there so you can meet both of us. But Jeff, how have you been? I have been really, really great. Life is okay. wonderful up here. You are looking quite tan. You, your freckles are a little bit stronger than the last time I saw you. So have you been outside a lot? Like what have you been up to? Yeah. So I live in San Francisco, so it's definitely not from where I live. I was in Belize with my husband oh. for two weeks after the insane but awesome summer. So what were you what were you up to this summer? You I saw some posts from you on yeah. social media, but you looked very busy. And on top of that, I do want to ask you how you find the time to put out some of that content that you do. Like mm. you're just walking down the street and you're just talking to the camera, but you're putting out some truth bombs and some knowledge that oh, I think are you. really cool. So first question, what were you up to this summer? What were you out doing? All right. So though I'm really well known for uh, authoring Unblocked, The Walls Come Tumbling Down, uh, and working with athletes who have mental blocks, I also am very, very passionate on working with cheer teams uh, whether they be high school teams or all-star programs, in helping them reach a champion-minded culture. So sometimes it's leadership stuff that we've talked about. Sometimes it is understanding a growth mindset. Sometimes it's mental blocks or performance anxiety. But really what I do is go in and work with the athletes and the coaches, sometimes even the parents, and help them remove the mental, physical, or technique limiters or barriers that are keeping athletes from achieving their goals. Okay. Well, that is amazing. I'm sure that is fun and challenging work because I can't imagine any program is exactly the same. Not at all. Yeah. Everybody's unique, like our fingerprints, right? Everybody has their own value system, have their own ways of working and are on different or on altering pages. So really what I do is get to go in and assess what are your goals? What do you want? uh, Where are you currently? And then help you create your own roadmap to get to where you want to go. That's awesome. Now, you said fingerprints. I have to ask, do you know where fingerprints come from? Genetics. Now, someone can fact check me later, but this is what we were taught uh, in the police academy uh, by someone talking about fingerprints. They said that it comes from when you are in utero and it is from your hands. It's markings of the placenta on what? your hands. And that's why it's unique is it is the ridges Wild. and everything from the placenta and from you develop it in utero. I don't know if that's true. It's pretty cool if it is, um, but it also explains why everyone's are different. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. I just, it just popped into my head. So (laughs) you've been doing all of that stuff this summer and you released, I think, a new edition of your Mm -hmm. book, correct? I did. Um, Unblocked to the walls of tumbling down. Yeah, it's a new edition. Okay. And so I definitely want to spend some time talking about that. But have you been up to anything else uh, in in your time now that the summer is done? You know, what are you up to and and what's going on in your life? Oh, man. So summer was awesome. As we talked about before, I feel like I'm starting to hit my stride. One of the things that I one of the pieces of 
language that I use are limiters, the things that keep us from our goals or barriers, roadblocks, whatever word you want to use. And one of mine is surprisingly for a lot of people is relationships. I do. I mean, I like people. I, I, I care about connecting, but I would say I'm much more introverted. So my real self is very by myself. I want to be alone. I need to recharge my social battery, as my daughter would say. But I recognize I do get fed with that performance self. And I'm really proud of continuing to evolve my camps and clinics to improve that relationship building piece. Because I realize that sometimes I don't hit my clients where they're at. I assume for their words, oh, we want to be state champs. We want to win summit. And so I go in, all right, and very quickly see that the behaviors don't match that. There's a lot of dissonance. Uh, so my camps this summer, all-star high school, et cetera, have really been about deep diving and assessing what is it you really want and then building relationships before I go to the accountability piece. Okay. So with that being said, I don't you sorry, you might want to go off on that no, before I no, say what great. else I've been up to. Okay. <laughs> so while I was doing the summer tour, I guess one would say, I had unblocked to going through uh, different variations and edits and all that crazy stuff of writing and then was able to get it to be published and set out September 1st. But a lot of people wouldn't know. Really, it was done four months ago mm -hmm. for the most part. I wanted it done before summer. So really, it was a timeline thing. So my brain was already, what am I going to do in the fall? What else do I see the industry is missing? And that's really, I had showed you just before we clicked on. I tried to clean up my office for you all, but I have like a load thing of stickies that were put up because I am going to be offering a mind body cheer coaches certification for mental oh, okay. blocks. Really like not just this, but let's deep dive into what's happening inside the brain and body of an athlete so that coaches not only have the understanding of what's going on, they have the practical tools to be able to be in their gym and be that resource to athletes who have fear, the parents, other coaches, so that it's not just me, it's everybody who's interested in really understanding and learning my methodology and my philosophy around mental blocks and cheerleading and how mental blocks are really just the culmination of issues that are already present in our industry and mm -hmm. how to overcome them. Wow. Okay. Well, that um, sounds absolutely fabulous. <laughs> I am already excited. So you've got customer number one probably right here. Although you probably have other people in line once they hear about it. Too, so, <laughs> I, And I'm slow. I, I don't buy Taylor Swift tickets. So I, I'm not used to being online and being the first person. Um, yeah. I had mentioned earlier, how do you find the time to be doing everything that you're doing and still putting out the content that you do, and I, I referenced the video of you walking kind of down the street. I think you may have been walking your dog or you were just on a walk. I can't yeah. remember exactly. And I can't even remember what it was you were talking about. It was, I think, in relation to tryouts. But I remember I shared it and I was just like, this is just such awesome content. You know, is that, let us peek behind the curtain. Is that planned sure. or is that truly organic? You're just like, I'm out on a walk and I, now is the time. It came to me and I've got to talk to you guys about it. Yeah. So earlier I talked about like real self and performance self. Let, let's get real. Let's like pull back Oz. Not that that's how I see myself, but like, let's just be real. Um, I hate social media. So everyone who's like, oh, blah, blah, I hate it. Okay. If what I am putting out is helpful, that's why I'm doing it. If what I'm putting out resonates, if you think it is... Uh, current. Uh, absolutely. That's why I am doing it. I want to help. That is my core value is to provide help and assistance to people. And that's what fuels me. So even though I don't enjoy it, the process is difficult for me. I know the end goal is what I want. So I'm going to go through it. So specifically about all oh, those videos and things like that. 
I believe, so I have a graphic designer slash social media manager who is wonderful. Uh, she's mm-hmm. so great. And she was like, you got to start putting yourself out there. <laughs> like, just start speaking. Yep. And it's hard when your performance self and your real self aren't aligned and you have to do that work because my performance self is it's got to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. That fixed mindset that a lot of us cheerleaders experience. I don't want to stumble and really using that growth mindset, a core value I have for both performance and self. And like, hey, it's tryout time. I know people are suffering. Jeff, if you really want to help, this is information that could help people. So I'm trying to do less of the scripted stuff, the sitting here and more of the, I'm on the go. It's in my head. Let's do it. But as you can see, and anyone who follows me on social media, the videos have gone down and it's more, hey, here's just a great infographic because I'm trying to balance real self and performance self. I imagine it's really hard to also put out that content when you are at a gym for six hours, eight hours, and you're talking to kids. And that's, I think anyone who's listening, who's a coach or an owner understands that the level of mental and physical exhaustion that comes from teaching for Mm -hmm. multiple hours. I can think of when I'm working at camp, you know, I work for six, maybe seven hours to be teaching and teaching groups and it's so much yeah. fun, but I leave and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just, I just want to nap, right? Cause it's, yeah. there's so much energy put into it. So I can only imagine, and I actually, I can identify with, cause while I'm at camps <laughs> and teaching, yeah. I still, you know, I have my podcast stuff and I'm still, some of the times I can sit down and remember the summer, like the last thing I wanted to do was record a podcast episode. It was like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Because again, it takes that effort and that energy and even those organic videos, like, yeah, it's easy to just, you think it's easy to just put on your camera and talk and with reps, it becomes easier and easier, but right. you That's still, true. you still restart. You still are like, Oh, uh, that was not what I wanted. Try again. So anyways, I'm just here to say, I love it. Thank you for that content. I know there are a lot of gym owners that appreciate those videos and those things to be able awesome. to share. and and have their parents see because it's it's nice to not have it always be coming from you, right? Because right. it's very easy living in that silo as a gym owner and your parents, you know, they're like, well, do people really, other gyms really do it this way or do other people really think this way? And it's like, yes, it's not, it's not just us. We are not the unicorn yeah. that you think we are. So anyways, I want to get into talking about edition two of the book and really talk about some mental block stuff and full transparency. I actually am looking for some advice here because since we last talked, my daughter who cheers, who is a very fixed mindset, everything has to be perfect person has worked really hard to get her round of handspring tuck. She totally had it. And then just one practice didn't. And we have been since that happened, which was probably June after like it was right after we placed our teams and she made our level three team probably a week after that. Nothing happened. She didn't fall. She didn't crash. She just started popping and popping and we attacked it, kind of tried to hit it early, see if we could overcome it and had a little bit of progress, a couple steps forward, five steps back, a couple steps forward, four Mm -hmm. steps back. And she's still struggling through that. And mm-hmm. I am, people come to me with mental blocks and, but we don't know each other that well, but I'm not the most patient person. Okay. Uh, I have that oftentimes male quality of I'm patient up to a point, And then once that point has passed, it is now gone. And so learning how to be, you know, what, what would you do? What would be your first step hearing that story an athlete who hasn't fallen, hasn't had anything happen, but all of a sudden is popping and it has now become, it wasn't just a day. Now we're like a month into this. It's a real thing. Tell me my role with this athlete. Does that make Uh, sense? Is it, yeah, I'm coming in, I'm your consultant. So it is your kid, but I'm coming in as real Jeff is my role. I am Jeff dad. And we're talking about my daughter. What's my role? Tell me how you would advise the coach to proceed mm. in that circumstance. Start with empathy. 
always uh, and seek understanding. So I'm going to back channel in my brain some information to make my interventions make more sense when we're talking about fear and mental blocks. Earlier, I made mention that I believe the path to overcoming a mental block can solve 99% of culture problems in your gym. So as frustrating, emotionally taxing and draining as mental blocks are, if you have a system in how to address fear and manage it, you are going to solve most problems in your gym. So I know that's a big Mm -hmm. promise, but let me explain to you how. So when I'm thinking of this athlete, and before I give you the advice, I am going, all right, you said number one trigger, fixed-minded, rigid, perfectionistic. So this athlete, without knowing your daughter at all, Mm -hmm. is going into the gym every day with this desire to prove her worth to people, to prove that she is good enough, Mm -hmm. that she deserves where she is. Let's add on top of that, which is actually going to be my post tomorrow about being the athlete of a coach or a gym owner. So not only does she have that, let's add on to that. What do everybody else, what does everyone else expect from me? I am the owner's child. Mm -hmm. I perceive that other people think that I need to be perfect. So it just reinforces the way in which she probably presents in the gym. Mm -hmm. Is this just checking in? How accurate is this? Uh, yeah, we're, stuff in we, my are, brain. we are fairly on track with that. Yeah, so I, I'm fairly on track with that. And I, I, I like using her as an example because I've encountered a, a lot of athletes that have been like this, not necessarily the owner's kid, but that you sit there and you try and you handle it with empathy and you say, okay, tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're thinking. I don't know. And okay. they can't answer Okay, that. you know, what are you feeling? I don't know. Okay, uh, I just stopped. It just, I just can't, I just can't go or I just stop are very common responses I'll get from athletes kind of in this mindset. And it can be really, really challenging. So frustrating. You're because you're Um, getting nothing from the mechanism, right? Yeah. Like how do I help you without knowing any more than I don't know? Now I'm also playing a little bit dumb here to let you be the professional because I have my own like theories and I may bounce a couple of them off you or, or techniques sure. that I might use. And you can say, yeah. that's idiotic. Don't do that ever again. Okay. Don't worry. None of them involve punishments. Good. That's not in there. Um, but yeah. So like, how do you, how do you handle that situation where you have the kid who's just like, I don't know. I don't know why mm-hmm. what I'm feeling or thinking or what's going on. So what often the misstep I think most people take when it comes to mental blocks is that they see the the tree, let's use a little metaphor. You see the tree branches are turning brown and people are like, I don't want the branches. I don't want the leaves to be brown anymore. I don't want my kid to have a mental block. So how do I get the mental block away? The problem is not the leaves. The problem is not the mental block. The problem is the ground or the roots. Right. We already talked about many of the things that could be contributing to what you see being manifested the way it is. I hope that is not too fancy uh, of an explanation. So what I would first advise is look at the roots, look at the ground and start from there. For example, all right, my daughter has a tendency towards perfection. Okay, so that that's number one. Mm-hmm. What have we done currently? So let me just ask you, what have you got, done currently to help change your daughter's perspective on the need for perfection inside and outside of the gym? Yeah, absolutely. We have, we've always really tried to reinforce the idea of it's not the result that matters, it's the effort that matters for us. So we want to see you trying. More than we we don't care if it's perfect. We don't care if you're successful on the first time. In fact, failure is a good thing. It means you're you're taking steps forward and willing to make those errors. So, and we actually have that within kind of our core values of our gym. Uh, I love to that. promote that failure is not a problem. It's actually a, a moving forward. 
And um, how does your daughter specifically react to failure, to mistakes in that? So we're talking about the ground right now, everybody, our culture, whether it be in our home or in the gym, how does she respond to the foundation of growth mindset and free to fail? Uh, it's It's been a consistent struggle with her. I mean, if she thinks she's going to be bad at it, she will. she would rather not try. Okay. Until and she can when, be, figure it out on her own. And then once she feels she has it mastered, then she'll go. And so then I would go, what is the worst case scenario in messing up or making a mistake here? And then insert whatever drill, performance, et cetera. What would she say? It's a good question. I'm not sure I have the answer on that. Which is a good thing because if I mention something, you're like, blah, blah, blah what goes on in my brain is okay left turn if if we have addressed it left turn keep changing it until it's i don't know excellent that's where we start then what is it about that situation in general but let's go big picture in general what is occurring how how perfectionism manifests is everything ends up being life or death fight flight or freeze everything because i am concerned with how other people perceive me So it is not a, in this case, your daughter's fear is not in, I'm going to physically die. Her amygdala, her little brain, where fight, flight, or freeze is stored, is seeing all of these situations and other people's opinion of her as life or death. So that's really, that that is going to be the story or the frame that I would use in every single intervention and conversation we're about to have. So coaches note that, write it down. Mm -hmm. This child's brain is saying to fail is to die. So what do we do from that? We find out and we start trying to create corrective experiences where in this case, your daughter learns and understands I am not actually going to die. And I, whether it be, you know, physically or mentally, psychologically. Mm -hmm. And so we do that through physical strategies, mental strategies, and behavioral strategies to help calm her nervous system down, to help get her lid back on, to get her prefrontal cortex or her wise owl to get back online, to be able to help calm her amygdala down and have rational thought. But this is a long-term process. But again, I promise you, mental blocks and the not getting over them, mm-hmm. the process of learning and managing fear is going to be a child's one-way ticket to success in life, guaranteed. Not getting over it, that that's, doesn't matter, Right. the process. So I'm talking about the ground here is creating a culture where we are processing and giving examples and giving an athlete physical, mental, and behavioral strategies to cope with this bully voice, with this perfectionism, with this need to never fail. Yes. I I love all of that. So what I hear you saying is like, we need to help, help these athletes understand how to process what they are, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And also I I read into the subcontext when you're talking about the amygdala and you're talking about they're in that fight, flight, freeze and, and building in strategies to kind of bring them back to a more homeostasis level. That could also be why you get the response of, I don't know, because it's not uncommon in a hot, extremely high stress situation to have your rational brain, your ability to think and process and retain information to now be shut off. And so when they're saying, I don't know, they, they literally don't know. They just know their body stops and there's something mm-hmm. more deep. And they know they don't want to die. <laughs> right. And so they're going to do everything they can to not die psychologically or physically. This is a natural, <laughs> instinctual response that they have zero choice over everybody. Zero. Mm-hmm. So when an athlete says, I don't know, What's important is that we're reading the situation, how far offline is their rational brain? And when their rational brain, prefrontal cortex, is fully on, how much is it, how adapted is it? 
How knowledgeable are they? Do they have self-awareness? Can they communicate and are they self-aware of emotions? Because if when their prefrontal cortex is fully online and they have no fear, if they are incapable of expressing emotion, well, they're not going to be able to express what's going on when their lid is flipped. Mm-hmm. So what is the solution, Jeff? Stop this theory. Give us practical advice. You have to teach kids about self-awareness. You, it's essential that you help model for kids what their emotional experience is. Not only is, does this generation have most of their time and experience relationally online like this, which puts them at a deficit to understanding their emotions, most of these kids for a year or two were isolated all by themselves, are stunted in developing that emotional understanding, that EQ that resides here. Mm-hmm. So it is our job if you really care about moving kids forward, is our job to then back channel that and help kids be able to increase that knowledge and understanding. So one of the things that I've I've struggled with, because I know that with an athlete who already has that fear of failure, right? It's not a fear of injury. It's the fear of failing. And be, now because they're failing, it's this perpetual cycle of fear, realization, fear, realization, fear, like, and then it comes true. And I'm afraid of, I'm going to mess up and then I do mess up and then it comes true. And in sometimes even in asking the question of what are you thinking? What are you feeling? And then responding, I don't know. And then going, well, well, like a little bit deeper, like, are you really sure? Like, did you feel anything on that one? Where actually I've realized I'm, I'm, initiating the same thing as them tumbling. Now they're failing at telling me what's wrong with them and they don't know what's wrong with them. And it becomes this really chaotic psychological circle of failure. Uh So how do you encourage that athlete in that moment to find the self-awareness without making them feel like they're just yet another failure at this overcoming their mental block situation? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, Let me know if I am answering it direct enough. Real quick, did we talk about red light, green light, yellow light last time? We did on the last episode, yes. And I've actually used that and I love it. Since we talked, I've used that. It is all based on that. Red light, which is that lid flip, our prefrontal cortex, rational brain is offline. Forget it. There is no answering questions. That is solely only physical strategies. That is where coaches are often messing up. They're trying to use interventions. So air high five, but asking a mental strategy, what's going on? Mm, Not happening. Go over on the tumble track and do it. Mm, Behavioral strategy, deep breathing, uh, cold water on your face, getting out of the situation, watching something funny, muscular uh, relaxation, mindfulness, uh, grounding exercises, Get them out of this so we get their prefrontal cortex back online. So going back to, but Jeff, I need to know what's going on in their head. Okay, so you want to use mental strategies. Mental strategies stop being effective at yellow light. And even at yellow light, depending on the baseline of that athlete's self-awareness and ability to recognize emotions... Some athletes, even at yellow light, are like, so how do we do it? We at green light, when there's nothing at stake, we're happy and content. That's when you start doing the work to increase the baseline and the functionality of their prefrontal cortex. For example, which is probably what all of you want right now, they just land uh, a pass. How are you feeling? Good. Can you tell me in one sentence how you feel? I am feeling good. These are all signs that this athlete has a very low emotional intelligence and emotional awareness. How do you feel about yourself now that you've worked for the last five minutes and have accomplished that goal? I feel really proud of myself. Oh, so now I'm, I'm going to growth mindset this. High five. So not only are you happy, you're actually happy and proud of yourself. Because, and this is where I'm helping them build it. 
you're happy and proud of yourself. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jenny, because you worked really hard and made many mistakes, but didn't give up and eventually reached your goal. I don't I want to put words in your mouth, but is that true? Yeah, it's true. All right. So what I did at that green light is modeling for the athlete emotions. I'm helping them understand that fixed mindset. It wasn't the skill, which is what everyone focuses on. Getting over the mental block, throwing my back tuck, hitting a zero deduction routine, etc. How did you do it? What was the process, everybody? I didn't mm-hmm. give up. I met a challenge. I kept my lid on. I used deep breathing. And sometimes we have to point those things out. Did you realize, Jenny, on that third one, you didn't go right away, did you? No. Do you remember what you did? Before you went, I saw you do this. (sighs) Oh, yeah, I remember doing that. You took a deep breath. Do you know what that does? It calms down your nervous system. So by instinct... You showed control over your nervous system. So I'm inputting all these things that this athlete has accidentally done, and I'm putting purpose in it so that when we get to limelight, I can start offering, hey, how are you feeling right now? I feel okay. All right. Do you want to go into that round up back handspring feeling okay? Well, no. Like, I want to feel good. I want to feel confident. All right. What have you done before that helped you feel good before you went? Let me give you a little uh, help. What happened five minutes ago? Oh, I threw that round up that handspring tuck on the tumble track. Were you feeling green light the whole time? No. How are you feeling? I was feeling limelight. What did I do? What did you do? Now, uh, Dan, I hope this is making sense. Now they're going to go, oh, I took a deep breath. I thought about what I did before I went. I didn't let mistakes come into my brain. Mm -hmm. Do you want to try any of that stuff now? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they start doing it. And then at the end, you high five, not whatever the product was of the skill, but the process of you didn't give up. I asked you questions. You kept your lid on. Hey, really quick, green light, yellow light. I meant green light. You got yourself from limelight to green light? Dang, girl. That's awesome. It's like magic, right? Yeah. I, no, I love that. And I think that was very actionable. And I haven't, I've never actually thought about that from the perspective of doing more coaching on what are you feeling after the success than more coaching on how to get through that, that moment of stress and using that as your roadmap to yep. manage yourself. So I, I love that. And I'm absolutely going to start using that. When you had also said you got to reach them at green light, That's, I actually initially was like, oh, that's where like journaling could come into play where it's like, I want you to, to write about your thoughts and what you're feeling an hour and a half later, two hours later, a Mm. day later when you're at green light and you're think sitting down, just thinking through, okay, what did I do well in that lesson? You know, what was I feeling at the times that I was at yellow light or when I was going into red, you know, can I think back to anything I was feeling? And that maybe at that point where they're their lid is closed, they're feeling good, they can actually start to articulate some things. And that would give me an opportunity to read, especially if that's an athlete who isn't super verbal, but might write better or write things down more because they oftentimes struggle with that speaking portion. So am I completely off base on any of that? No, you are 100% on. And I was trying to bite my tongue on. Yes, because not every athlete is verbal. And you, yeah, that's excellent intervention. You had mentioned when they're at red light, some different things. You mentioned deep breathing. I think everyone understands what that is. Uh, You mentioned like muscular relaxation and grounding. And I know grounding because I've been to therapy uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) after critical incidents, after after stressful uh, situations. So I learned grounding techniques and I've used them. Um, But would you mind describing... I don't know what you mean fully by the muscular relaxation and also maybe explaining some grounding techniques and what that might look like in a gym for an athlete. Yeah. So depending on the situation, um, when let's just so that everybody understands when it comes to like, if we're going to try and do grounding, like using a five, four, three, two, one really quick when that athletes at red light, give me five things you see. Awesome. Give me four sensations you have in your body right now. 
they may need to be led by red light with this. So it may be five things you see, five things you see. I see this, 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 four things you feel or sensations. Do you feel your feet standing on the floor? Yes. All right. So feel your feet. And so I'm now giving them that ground. Feel your feet on the floor. Can you feel your shirt on your shoulders? So I'm walking them through and it's just as effective. We must meet our athletes where they're at. If we keep saying, how do you feel? And they keep saying, I don't know. What you're doing, coaches, is unintentionally creating more of a lid flip. They're moving from lime to yellow, yellow to orange. Okay. Mm-hmm. So five, four, three, two, one. What do you, five things you see, four things you feel, three things you hear, two things you smell, which might be really hard, one thing you taste, <sighs> to help them get back into their body. So mindfulness and muscular relaxation is very similar. So you can do like just muscular relaxation. If they're in a gym, they're not wanting the spotlight. So right now, make a fist, make the tightest fist you can. Tell me what you feel. Oh, I feel my nails digging into my hands. I feel the tension in my forearms. I feel my thumb pushing against my bone. Great. In five seconds, I'm going to count down five, four, three, two, one. I want you to slowly keep squeezing, keep squeezing. I want you to slowly open your hands while breathing in slowly and out slowly. So let's breathe in five, four, three, two, one, breathe in and slowly release your hands. Slow, slow inhale, feel your hands as they relax. Feel your fingers extending. Pay attention to what you feel in the palms of your hands. Maybe your hands feel warmer. Are they tingling? Now, how do your hands feel? That's like a very simple muscular relaxation. So tense it, relax it. And I can see how that, that all relates, right? And these are all, just to reiterate, these are strategies when someone's yellow turning red or at red, and they are like completely pegged. They can't process anymore. They're in that complete fight, flight, freeze mode. And I I think it is important to reference that not there's not necessarily a key physical indicator that you're going to see every single time with someone who's at that mode, right? right. You, you're going to have to learn that athlete and you should start to know they have shut down mm-hmm. at this point. Can I offer a Please. advanced uh, version of this? Please. Absolutely. The goal is to catch our athletes before they get to red light. Absolutely. So when I am thinking of an excellent practice, 70% of the time, my athletes are at green light, 30% at yellow, zero at red, zero. We hit red sometimes. Growth mindset, everybody, like it happens. So it's important we have a tool belt and tool chest. But imagine if your kids already understand these things at yellow light. So that when you introduce them at red, when they're trying not to die, they're going to be much more familiar with it. They're not going to feel scared on what weird thing you're about to do with them. Like so it. that's the advanced version. Catch it before it gets to there. Mm-hmm. So I have maybe a weird question for you. Sure. I try to not always ask the same questions that everyone else asks. Okay. And maybe someone's already asked you this. I haven't listened to every interview you've done. So one of the problems in an athlete having a mental block. Every coach will say it's athletes and the parents, right? Parents have a huge impact on whether or not athletes have mental blocks massively. However, we as the coaches are also one of those contributors. So what are some techniques and strategies that you might recommend for the coach who is working with that athlete, who is not Jeff Benson, who is not a professional at this, who is getting frustrated, who is at that point where they're getting to the yellow. Now, personal, I'm going to give my personal thought and you can tell me if I'm wrong. And I maybe just on me, I'm also like my daughter, I don't like failure. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when an athlete is having a mental block and I'm not fixing it within a period of time, then I'm getting frustrated with them. But really I'm frustrated with me and my failure to achieve my goal of fixing this kid. And so I'm now imprinting my own emotions and taking them out on that athlete when I get frustrated and angry. And 
So what would be some techniques or some advice you might have for us as coaches in those moments? And I think it's even worse when that athlete's like on your team, you need that skill. Like I choreographed this layout in my routine and now you can't do it back handspring. Like, what are you doing? You're letting everyone else down. You're letting me down. You're letting yourself and your parents and everything else, which the kid already knows. But mm-hmm. how do we get back to a green light where we're rational and can help this athlete the best? I'm going to go back to the point or the promise I made. Learning to manage fear, uh, working through a mental block, is the ticket to solving 99% of problems in life. Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, outside of cheer, at home, with your spouse, uh, friends, etc., uh, you driving, there are times where you absolutely flip your lid and act in ways that are not advantageous to who you want to be. 100%. No question. Okay. So we're going to start at that for advice to coaches. The first thing is catch it early. I hope every coach is like, oh, that's totally what Jeff just said in that advanced strategy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do want to point out that where Dan is at and what he just expressed, I'm talking to your audience, sorry, using that's good. Go, go for it. Uh, what he expressed was amazing awareness of himself. He understands what's driving his flipping of the lid, his frustration. You, Dan, are acknowledging like, yeah, I realize this is me. Yeah. Does that change how you're currently acting? Rarely. No. So having understanding is not the solution. It's helpful. Mm -hmm. So then what I want to do is help you recognize, yeah, let's use this yellow light. Can you at limelight as you start to recognize, oh, my limelight is when I like get short. Or I start thinking in the future. I'm worried about the score sheet. I'm worried about next weekend. That limelight intervention, usually just because it's who I am, I do the goal-directed behavior. So spoiler alert, let's go back to Jeff took off uh, curtains of Oz and yeah, at Oz and like Jeff's doing videos. Uh, Coaches, I'm at yellow light doing those videos. You might see performance jet can you imagine carrying a gimbal like that think about it because this is what's happening a gimbal as i walk around a park with my dog can you imagine how dumb i feel i am thinking whatever i am projecting what everyone else is thinking of me and so i recognize i'm at yellow light so what do i do at yellow light Sometimes I turn off the video and I like, this isn't productive. How do I know that? When I'm stumbling on things I've already known before, when I'm acting in ways that are not aligned with who I am, I do self-care. So in this case, let's do the parallel. Dan, you're in a private lesson. Let's say it's with your kid. I'm at yellow light. And I like catch the, I want to like, just do it. Mm. Uh, Self-care right now. Stop everything. What does Dan need right now? I need to say nothing. Great. Then what? I'm going to go get a drink of water. Hey, go get, let's go get a drink of water. When you're feeling limelight, instead of saying how you feel, come back. Hey, how are you feeling? I would put $99,000 on that athlete or your child is going to say, I was frustrated. Mm-hmm. It's called mirror neurons. Right. Often we are going to reflect the other people in the room and how they feel. Sometimes we can use that information to have insight into how the other person is feeling. I'm starting to get really frustrated. So how do you think they feel? Really frustrated. And how do you think that person is feeling when they feel your frustration? Do you think it's getting lower? Do you think they're going from yellow to green? No. So let's get to the practical application. Self-care. Well, uh, self-awareness followed by self-care followed by my favorite Value-directed behavior. What do I value right now? Do I value winning the competition or do I value this kid knowing I care about them? I'll meet them where they're at. Free to fail in this environment. Because the way you act next is going to say what's true. Mm -hmm. Dan, you can say whatever you want. Oh, growth mindset, free to fail. But the moment we say, we have competition this weekend. Why aren't you throwing it? I don't care what 
you've said before, your behavior and your actions show really what matters. Right. That fixed mindset, that perfectionism. And I say that with zero judgment, though it may come across that way, because this is a struggle that I have mm-hmm. as well. So th- yeah. th- this is just part of the process. So that's awesome. And I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope that there's a coach or an owner listening to this going, okay, th- these are techniques that I can utilize. We've talked a lot about in that individual athlete. Have you ever heard a gym or a coach or someone say mental blocks are contagious? Mm-hmm. So I've heard it too. Somebody messaged me today. Yeah. So <laughs> mental blocks, they're contagious. You know, I've got multiple kids getting them and they're all from the same class or the same team or the same program. It's a contagious issue. Now, I think anyone with any sort of, there's no scientific empirical evidence that a mental block is actually contagious, but we talked a lot about the individual athlete. So now if we, if we take your analogy from before of the leaves and the branches and that individual athlete is a leaf is brown and the tree is the gym with the roots and the coaches, knowing that that's the issue, where do we start? Where do we, because in my opinion, these mental blocks are contagious means there's a bigger issue overall. Mm-hmm. So what, what would be your thoughts on that? When, first off, when someone says mental blocks are contagious, like what are they really seeing but not realizing about the situation? So what they're typically missing, and this is where I often misstep. Somebody like, hey, tell me, okay, it's important. Am I going to be performance Jeff, my body cheer, or am I going to be like real Jeff? And I often do the real Jeff, which is like, Duh! you said you want the answer. Yeah, people don't really want the answer. So I'm going to do the performance, Jeff, and then we can, I'll tell you what the real Jeff would sound like. But they're both saying the same thing, just in different ways. The performance, Jeff, mind, body, cheer, the reality that these mental blocks are occurring. It's great that we're seeing a manifestation of a problem because a lot of people aren't going to change anything until the problem gets big enough. Mm Mm-hmm. So I love that the problem or the volume of problem is turned up so big that Jim is like, well, our mental blocks have got to be contagious because we have like 10 on that team. Okay. So I love that we realize there's a problem on that team. So let's go next level. Why? Knowing that mental blocks are 99% fixed-minded base, their fear of failing in front of people, what can you see on that team that may not be saying it, but the behavior is supporting if you fail, it's life or death. Oh, that kid, that coach, when an athlete doesn't throw their skill, everybody else conditions and that athlete, until that athlete throws their back tuck. That's not a free to fail environment. But Jeff, we value accountability. Okay. As long as then accountability also works that you're, I try not to be Jeff. I'm just going to be real. You're, you are the toxic soil. That philosophy is a toxic soil. Jeff, my body chair would be, well, is there another way to be aligned with accountability and support athletes when they have fear? And that's what we would, the work we would do together. How do you get accountability, but also create a champion-minded culture where athletes are allowed to mess up and learn from their mistakes? Because ultimately, it's what do you want? Right. So that's such a tough one for me to balance. Because I come from the pers- I I try to balance it, but I feel like it's such a a challenging uh, balancing act. Uh, I mean, it's just like the slightest little pressure over here. Now we've gone way down the now the scale tips, and we're not competitively successful. But and we're too loving and too nice, but then we're too competitively successful and then kids start to crumble and it starts to like challenge. So, mm-hmm. you know, where, where do you suggest a gym start? Like where is the, the initial, and I don't want to take away from your, your curriculum or your next book or any of your classes, but you know, what's step one, knowing I want to avoid, I want to avoid my kids having mental blocks. I want to avoid a negative culture, you know, I want to have a psychology, a psychologically safe environment for my athletes to train and learn and grow. And I want to win. (laughs) So how do I do all three? Where do I start to do all three? I don't know. Can I, oh, it's not doing it. I'm trying to be really dramatic. Your fingerprint. Your thumbprint, your fingerprint, everybody. 
Every gym is unique. You must know your core values and what your purpose or mission statement is. Mm -hmm. Because everybody is different. If you don't know who you are, how are you going to get to who you want to become? You got to know what drives you. And then what I would come in as a consultant is really reflect the mirror and ask those really tough questions as lovingly as I can. Do you think this behavior matches this value? Well, no, but this behavior matches this value. Ah, dissonance. So we have excellence as a value, but we also have relationships as a value. So we go to back to our mission statement, take a quick pause and why are those often in dissonance? Because excellence is meeting the score sheet, improving when we are going from competition to competition. Relationships would be really psychologically safe environment. Every athlete is important. Build trust. An athlete now is a mental block and they were our number. You, you got to make a choice. What is going to win over? And I would go as the consultant, hey, Jeff, what do we do? Who are you? Let's look at your mission statement. Uh, Our mission is to teach athletes life lessons through the sport of cheer in order to be successful in life. All right. So then what is more important? Being excellent at this one competition or finding a way to have a relationship with this athlete athlete to let them know what needs to happen next. Mm -hmm. That answer is different for everybody. Right. There is not a right or wrong. It's a right for you and a right for you. So if you want to go with that uh, that uh, example and go farther, I can absolutely tell you then what would I suggest after you got to know your thumbprint. Well, I do want to know what you next suggest. However, I have to thank you because you clearly listened to my last episode on building culture because <laughs> <laughs> I talked a lot about this and I actually, I, I appreciate you echoing I, I was saying you gotta you gotta make your core values your core values. You can't just copy mine or copy someone else's. And Doesn't I work. actually went on to recommend to go so far as we've we have our gym's core values, which is really for our athletes. And then we've now identified what are our staff core values. Like what is mm. what does a staff member look like beyond just the gym core values? But what else do we do um, yeah. as a staff member? What's your identity as a coach here? Um, and how do all of these things now work in harmony towards our mission? Mm-hmm. And the the biggest challenge I find with core values and and culture in that aspect is how do you continually reinforce, right? How do you continually, because what you don't reinforce, what you don't encourage does not stay front of mind and easily becomes forgotten. Um, so that's, my, that's me revisiting my last episode. So what do you Check recommend- it out. <laughs> Check it out. It's it's a good one. Um, what do you recommend after you know knowing who you are? What is your thumbprint? What's next for a gym? Let's use the example of as a gym, we also value communication. Oh, so now as a consultant, my first question, because accountability is always going to go back to you as the leader. Mm-hmm. What has been communicated to this athlete? to this family and to this team about numbers, competitions, blah, blah, blah. Mm, I don't know. How often are your coaches in conversations with their parents? Not really. So your coaches only contact parents when there are problems. Yeah. All right. I hope right now you are seeing a hole in your boat. You value relationships, you value communication, and you value excellence. Are you or is your gym really acting on those values? No. So in my opinion, it would be hypocritical to take that athlete out Mm -hmm. versus, oh, we've had multiple conversations with this parent. We have an action plan for this athlete, which is taking our confidence class once a week, doing strength and conditioning and sending in videos of where they're at, throwing their skill currently. So you're holding them accountable to working through their fear. Yep. And how is that athlete doing? Oh, she's not, her attendance is like 50-50. Oh, you definitely take her out. (laughs) That's a no-brainer. That's really simple. Now, how do we take her out? Either supports relationship building or doesn't. So the way in which we communicate that, which is we bring them in, the parents, the athletes, this is hard. You're not off the team. And I'm just 
spitfiring mm-hmm. how I, you're not off the team, but I hope you understand that you being temporarily removed is not that you're not throwing your tumbling. That was not our mark. What was our mark? The athlete, I don't know. Okay, you're probably feeling a little uncomfortable. I want to make sure you know I psychologically, I, I still love you. This is a hard conversation all around. I get it. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Smith, can you tell us what you remember that in order for Jenny to stay on this team, she has to show that she is working towards building her confidence back up in the skill. And is she doing that? No, but she's busy with school. She has homework, blah, blah, blah. Totally fine. She made a choice. And I get it. You know what? School comes first, 100%. But (laughs) you're parenting one child. I am parenting 30. Your daughter made a choice. Now I have to make a choice. Now is my choice surprising? No, but so for this competition, she is welcome to, or whatever your values are, she's going to be in uniform. She comes with us to the warm-up room, blah, blah, blah. She can absolutely earn that spot back by making different choices. And these are the different choices. Jenny, what do you think about that? Crying, 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 crying. Yeah, it's really hard. I get it. Maybe you and your parents can go home, talk about it when Jenny's lids back on. I'm using this language everywhere. When maybe she's at green light or limelight, you can talk about next steps, maybe what your limiters are, and then what can we do to help support you in your goals? Relationship building. I love it. And you you mentioned a number of things in there that I hope people take away from just little nuggets. You mentioned, you know, how often our parents, how, what do parents know about the routine? And I'm a big believer in parent education. You need to, you need to teach your sure. parents about the sport. If they're ignorant, they're going to cause more problems. The whole idea of like, well, I don't want them to know the score sheet, or I don't want them to know why we do what we do in choreography, or it's not their business where we placed like, yeah, it is. And just teach them, just educate them. It, it's worth the time. Mm-hmm. It saves problems. And then you mentioned how often coaches are talking to parents And that's another huge one. And I know a lot of coaches who are listening to this are like, I don't want to talk to the parents. That's not what I signed up for. I get that. I get it. But at the same time, it it is what you signed up for if you're going to be a great coach. Mm -hmm. And if you're going again, if you're going to reduce, I think of everything from the perspective, okay, if you don't like that, let's be selfish. What reduces your pain and suffering? Having conversations Mm -hmm. early and often. Good one. Right. If you want to think of it from the perspective of, I don't like this. Well, the reality is, is that you're coaching kids and parents love their kids more than they love themselves, generally speaking. So when you hurt their kid, you are engaging in the deepest wound. And if you allow the kid to create the narrative, you've set yourself up for failure. So by communicating early, often, and even when it's uncomfortable, you're going to save yourself hours and hours of meetings and tears and frustration and potentially being overridden by your gym owner who goes, why'd you take that kid out of the routine out of nowhere? None of us knew that this was a problem. And you go, oh, well, she's been doing X, Y, and Z for the last three months. And everyone's like, well, we didn't know. We didn't give her a chance to fix it. Never told us. Never told us. So communicate early, communicate often, frequently have those tough conversations because man, it's going to save you so much time and pain and suffering in the long run. And it also just happens to be better for the kids too. If, if yeah. that is not your motivation. And real quick, sorry to interrupt. I'm, no. I'm dying here. I'm, I'm working to get better at not interrupting. <laughs> working. It is really important that coaches in this case, owners, I'll come at you as well. The coach is at yellow light and is uncomfortable having conversations with parents. Totally get it. It is so hard. It is so uncomfortable when you don't feel you have the tools necessary. So what are you doing to get better at it and develop those tools? Oh, nothing? Interesting, because you want to take Jenny out for not doing enough, but you... Can I take your team away? Can I pull you from the team? Because that's what you just did to her for not doing enough. We all have limiters. Mm-hmm. We all have things we're not great at. Values communication, but sometimes he overvalues talking instead of listening. So he interrupts. That's not who I want to be. So I'm going to work to be better. I'm not garbage. I'm not terrible. I'm not awful. I am normal. I am human. And I want to be better. So I'm going to work to be more concise. And you said you're going to come for owners. I'll just come for them for you. Owners, if your coaches suck at communicating with parents, that's your fault. 
Because what are you doing to help train them? You're the coach of your coaches or the director, whoever it is. If you're, if you have an all-star director, then you as the owner need to be directing that all-star director. Hey, we need to bring someone like Jeff out to the gym to train our coaches on how to communicate with parents, or we need to develop our own training. But we do having difficult conversations training every year uh, with our staff. It's like one of the, it's one of our core things and we go through all of it and We've even done role play, which they hate. Everyone hates doing role play like exercises. (laughs) And I'm like, trust me, having the uncomfortable, like I'm going to, Dan's going to pretend to be an angry parent and you're going to talk to him. Like that is 10 times harder than talking to a real parent. Because you now have the stress of I'm going to embarrass myself in front of my boss on top of it at all. Trust me, if you can get through this, the rest of it's easy. But coming for owners on that, like you guys can help set your staff up for success on this and 100% I'm a big extreme ownership fan. So if you as an owner feel you have a cultural problem in your gym, you got to fix, you fix it. It starts from, although we're talking about the roots, you know, the counter now is it starts from the top and the top has got to like push that down. So whether you want to think of yourself from, from the tree perspective, you are the beginning of the root structure and you determine where it goes. So you determine the sun, you determine the water, you determine all of that. So if you're not teaching and providing tools, the water of the tree, the sun for the tree, the tree isn't going to grow. So it is okay to not know how to train your staff on communication with parents. It's okay to train your staff or if you don't know how to train your staff properly for XYZ. There mm-hmm. are resources. Are you reaching out to those resources or not? The good news is if they're listening to this podcast, they're at least starting to take advantage of some of the resources out there. And Great. neither, I, I mean, they, they're at least interested because if you found this podcast and you're listening to Jeff and you're following Jeff and, or you're listening to this podcast, you're at least getting something. And there are, yes, are there resources you can pay for? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do people like me and Jeff make our living doing this? Yes. But there's also both of us and others putting out so much great content that you can get for free. So take advantage of all of it. And like you said, if you are at a point where you need more training on this, then reach out, reach out to someone who can help you like mind, body cheer, who can help with some of these things. We also love to help our clients with helping set their core values and build their culture and, understand how to train their staff and build their training tempo and yeah. all of those different things. So as we as we get ready to wrap up, because we've been going for over an hour and I'm sure everyone's still listening because it's so fascinating. I'm having a great time. We could talk for hours. For those who are, well, first off, people can find the book on pretty much everywhere books are sold, correct? Yep. My suggestion, get on Amazon because you'll get it faster. But Okay. Yeah. Love it. With this new certification. Sounds like it's in the beginning stages, (laughs) (laughs) but where should people be looking to find out when it is getting wrapped up and it is available to start getting signed up for? Yeah. So if you're a coach, uh, get on to mindbodycheer.com. Make sure you are signed up for, have sent me your email because that will be the first group who will, because there will only be limited spots, the first group that will be able to start the three-step process of being mind, body, cheer, mentally block certified. Okay. Love it. And then we mentioned resources and we mentioned taking advantage of those. So same website, if people want to reach out to you to potentially schedule you to come to their gym. Yeah. So you can reach out to me by email, just directly, jeff at mindbodycheer.com or reach out to me directly at mindbodycheer at gmail.com. Either one will get to me. Do you only go around in the summers or are you traveling year round? That's a really good question. I actually do a lot of virtual work. So I sell package of hours. So right now I have a bunch of gyms that I work and do this kind of work with virtually and depending on how they works best for them, sometimes I will then travel to their gym. Uh, so I'll be going to Australia. I'll be going to England. Yeah. So Amazing. I do travel outside of the summer, but typically my availability is much less and it's more about 
creating new resources for coaches and parents and athletes. I love it. During the fall and winter. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. Another absolute pleasure to chat with you. Again, last shameless plug, you got to get registered for our conference in January where you can see Jeff in person, listen to him in person. He's going to be talking about, I believe, mental blocks, um, psychologically safe environment, building like all of the everything and breaking it down into multiple classes. So we've done two episodes. You're going to get three more hours plus of Jeff teaching you and gleaning as much information as you can from him because he has done all the work to develop these things. And it's a lot. It's a lot of work and a lot of study that goes into all this. So you got to get registered for conference and get there here, Jeff. So it's going to be amazing. I'm going to need another tan by that time. My tan's going to wear off. So you, I mean, you live in Cali. It's sunny all the time. I live in San Francisco. So it is 64 and cloudy. Oh, wow. It might be nicer in Oregon then because it's 72. Guaranteed. Guaranteed it's nicer in Oregon right now. (laughs) I mean, I'm telling you, San Francisco, I, I drive 10 minutes over the bridge, either bridge, 10 minutes, and it's 75 and sunny. So it's just San Francisco. Maybe it's time to move. Talking to my husband about it. So (laughs) it's in my brain. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to the episode. We hope you loved it. And we will catch you on the next one. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cheer Biz Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.